And it's old school, a truly old school. I mean, this is older school than even if Cenk were around. <laughs> Oldest school. Yes. Yeah, so I'm yeah. Dave Kohler. Old school TYT viewers know who I am. Old You're school. the OG. Yeah. You're old one of school the OGs. TYT viewers know who Ben Mankowitz is. Got another OG. And old school and new school TYT viewers know who Mark Thompson is. Yeah. Mark has a product from shoptyt.com on his head. I do. Ben is probably drinking too strong coffee, but I can't confirm that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad to be back with you. I didn't know Cenk was not going to be here. Is it public knowledge why he's not on to this week? Does, do people know that? Does the audience get to know that? Anyone know? Chinese New Year. It's Chinese New Year. All right, oh, Cenk, sure. well-known Chinese Cenk Uger. <laughs> There I didn't know. I didn't know that's why around. he wasn't here. But I, I yeah. guess, yeah, that that uh, all of that uh, makes a great deal of sense. Checks out. There, yeah, there are a couple of cool uh, traditions around Chinese New Year. Um, I like the small envelopes of money that they give uh, to one another to celebrate Chinese New Year. I think they right. call one it another like to whom? Do older people give to it to other people, or is it to other people? Uh, that's a good question. I think it. It's a kind of a Christmassy sort of thing. So it would be, I think, all inclusive, but there'd be an implicit understanding that like parents might give it to offspring. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, it's kind of, it sort of follows the Christmas mold from what I recall. Um, they call it, I think they call them lucky bucks. And they're these uh, little red envelopes and it's, um, are they? Or maybe that? that's what they call. <laughs> maybe that's just something I picked up at the casino. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I can't recall. But um. uh, is is the is it given? Uh, as far as you know, and you're obviously an expert. <laughs> We've established that. Um, is it given uh, with a degree of, of subtlety, the way you might uh, uh, exchange uh, money with a bookie, or? Or is it just uh, is it just handed like? Uh, no, no, it's handed. I mean, that's why the, the envelopes—they're small red envelopes, so they're you know designed to get attention. I believe it's lucky money, not lucky bucks. I kind of added the I Americanized. <laughs> lucky, it. lucky bucks is, yeah. is definitely. I don't think Chinese right. would go. That's for at the bucks. Commerce Casino. Is the lucky? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. From what um, little I know, they are not afraid or ashamed to exchange money openly or talk about it openly. So I, I don't think there's a subtlety. Yeah, I think it's just here's a red envelope. Everyone knows what's in it. Enjoy. Let's talk a little bit for a moment about the subtlety of 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 exchanging money, of discussing money, because it's obviously uh, it's bad form, right? Talk about money. Talk about how much money you have. Talk about how much money uh, you've lent to other people, or to other people owe you money, right? We, we that's sort of a consensus that we don't do that in polite society, right? Uh, I'm curious where that started, because it, it only serves the overlords, right? <laughs> sure. Isn't that right, though? Like, I mean, who wants the the, the people in accounting aren't supposed to talk to the, the, the people in HR or the fellows over there in personnel or the boys back in shipping, right? Or the account managers or whatever. Nobody's supposed to talk about what they made. But if they did, 
then they could be outraged. Well, right? it's more than just that. If you talk to your neighbor and say, hey, God damn it, I, I can't afford groceries this week. And you say, your neighbor said, you know what? That, I couldn't afford to fill up my tank this week. All of a sudden, the whole neighborhood can't afford anything and they, they might uh, do something about it. That's right. They might be, but it is, but we can't ever discuss this thing that is of paramount importance in our lives, but we're not supposed to talk about it. And obviously, it's worked. I feel weird about talking about it, but I have always thought that at a bare minimum, people who work together should be like, hey, what are you making? Right, 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 <laughs> right. Because because the only person who doesn't want that information exchanged is their boss. No, the two people don't want it either. Because if you well, but because they've been told, like, what if you're like, oh, I'm making sixty four thousand bucks a year? Really, I'm at fifty eight. I feel pretty good. You've been here a couple more years. That makes sense. Like, there's nothing wrong no, with that conversation. That, that's the that's the problem is that that oftentimes compensation doesn't make sense. And so what you of course what you right. find in those conversations is that it exposes gender bias. It exposes all sorts of things. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's something that they don't want you talking about. Yeah, I mean, I got it that we're sort of, we're, Dave's right, we're, we're, we've been taught not to want to have that conversation. But I mean, I always want to know what people are making. <laughs> and I always ask if they get, if I'm close enough to. You so know. you haven't fallen into that. No, I've deliberately training. forced myself. I mean, I'm embarrassed myself to talk about it. I wouldn't volunteer it. I'm not a. I'm not a Everybody right, wants know, to mean, know what everybody else is making. That's not a revelation, Ben. The question I have for you is, have you always wanted to share how much you're making? Sure, I don't mind. I don't mind. Oh, really? I mean, okay. And, okay. and I mean, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm sure I'm a hypocrite. I, I would have the same hesitation. I'm part of this same industrial yeah. shushing complex that that has taken over <laughs> the world. I, I got it. I just think it's wrong. I think we should be like, like you know, oh great, you got that new car. What'd that run you? Like, tell me exactly what it cost. Oh, you got a new Lexus, or you got a what is the Tesla, the one everybody has, right? What does that cost? Which one do you buy? Oh, really? That's great. You can afford that, you know, like without attitude. Like, that's great. Good for you, right? But we can't help it. We pass judgment on what other people spend money on, right? Whether it's uh, you know designer handbags or whatever, whatever we we or or gambling or whatever you choose to or cars, right? But we should stop. And we should share with our colleagues at a bare minimum what we're making. And yeah, well, I mean, we're 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 super judgy, uh, I think, in the culture, and probably maybe as a, I don't know whether it's baked in or whatever. But anyway, the idea that we communicate some of what you're talking about based on some of those other things you're talking about. That's right. Like, yeah, my wife and I are taking a vacation. Uh, to Europe, we're staying in five-star hotels. You know, <laughs> Mercedes limo picks us up, and blah blah blah. It was so great. Mercedes limo picked us up, <laughs> took us to the blah blah blah. Well, there's implicit in all of that. Wow, how do you afford that? You know, well, um, I got it. I'm not, of yeah. course, and I think we understand. I'm not talking about bragging like that. I'm talking about when there needs to be a conversation about money, that it's not somehow the only conversation that we can't have. Right, that yeah. really is. That's inappropriate. That's not cool. Well, uh, if and this is Brad, our new social media director. Hey, Brad, nice to meet you. What are they giving you? I hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think within a week, yeah. you should ask Brad what he's making, and you gotta, and then you gotta tell Brad what you're making. Well, look, yeah. if Jenk is listening to this while handing out red envelopes to his kids, he's gonna call <laughs> in to cut this off and talk about what your favorite restaurant is because Jenk doesn't want this at TYT. Jenk definitely doesn't want this at TYT. <laughs> uh -huh. but, you know, Screw Jank, right? I mean, screw the man. 
<laughs> but TYT matter. is TYT probably TYT one of the really pretty consistently. Uh, I don't know, uh, sixteen dollars an hour. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm making a $29,000 a year and I'm 38 years old. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, there's more to a job, Ben, than just the uh, monetary compensation. It's also the. <laughs> it's also the, you know, the ongoing enterprise that you're part of, right? No, of course. I'm just saying we should. It's weird that we're afraid of the most important thing, and I'm curious what social structures came about to make us terrified to talk about really the two things that we care most about in life, which is two of two of the most important things that we care about in life: uh, sex and money. Well, I'll, right? I'll tell and a those little. Are all things that we got. Oh, let's stay away from that. So, Brad, uh, Brad, are you <laughs> involved with somebody right now? It's nice to meet you. Are you? So, who are you? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Brad, that's right. Brad, that. are you uh, right? Brad, are you sleeping with anybody? And, <laughs> and if it, and if and if she's really great looking, I mean, how are you affording to do that? <laughs> well, I'll tell a little personal version of this. So, for right, obvious Brad. reasons, yeah. in the past two years, I haven't. There's a whole bunch of friends I I haven't seen or hung out with for pandemic reasons. At the same time, uh, let's get uncomfortable. So, 2021 was probably the first year in my life where I actually was pretty significantly nervous or anxious about money and financial matters in my personal life. So now these two things have collided. I'm starting to go out and see old friends. I had lunch with someone today who I hadn't seen in many years. And we were talking, I said, hey, he asked me how I'm doing. I said, well, I'm really worried about money these days. The conversation just crashed. Like, what, what is it? He's like, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. All right, I'm sorry. Well, let me finish. How much money could you get your hands on right now if you had to? <laughs> give it to me. Right. Yeah, I got it. I, we don't want to turn it into this. Uh, I mean, obviously, a big complaint of which it makes the other person uncomfortable. I'm saying that there are, there should be genuine conversations that we are unafraid to have about money. You're expressing a, 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 a you know a level of concern a legitimate concern that you have about your life and that's that's different I mean it could be just as easy that, that he, the conversation could have crashed just as much as if you'd said to him well I'm I'm just I'm terribly terribly lonely you know he would have been like uh, well we're here now man you know <laughs> hey come on no and so I get it we're we're also we had a lot of problems one of them is our inability to Talk about serious things without making other people uncomfortable. It takes a remarkable person on the other end to be like, "That must suck," right? Which is, of course, the response that would help men in general in their relationships with women to not try and solve the problem, but just to sort of hear it, right, and understand it. But it is hard to do. Hard to do, I think, for for all of us. Whether it's at least for me, whether it's a man or a woman, your instinct is always like, "Well, how can we, at a bare minimum, without me giving you any of my money?" Make you feel bad. So at TYT, our, our next door neighbor is a production company, very well known one. And so in their parking lot, there's a bunch God, of those people. By there? the way, some of them got to have money, Dave. I would ask them about. Yeah, ask them up for yeah. some. Well, you don't have to ask. Just look at the TYT cars compared to their oh, cars. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just. Uh, I don't know. I always want. It's the thing I want to know most, right? What'd you pay for that house, right? And I'll definitely. Yeah, but I have to tell. I, I here's this is interesting because 
I don't feel the same degree of um, impediment is there for some of the questions related to what did you pay for that as there is asking how much do you no make? Question. No, no question. I, I'm conflating two things. You're right. There's not. You can. I, I think I asked you what you paid for your house, and you could ask me what I paid, and we would learn from that. And we could also look it up. So it's a little silly to be. Well, that's true to, too. Yeah. To, yeah. to hold it close, and and the car, like we could look at what it costs. Like maybe you paid three thousand more because you added some stuff, or you got a slight deal. Yeah. But we could get a range, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I'm interested in those things. I pass no judgment on it, right? Um, but anyway, but you're right. I mean, I, I sort of also want to know in general how people, you know, I'm like, I want to say all the time, like, so did you inherit a lot of money? Like, what's the deal? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, like, which is fine. I more power to you, right? But I, but I suppose they don't know that, and they may think that, you know, we yeah. I mean, can't. that I think that is a t given the way that society has evolved and has built the walls around that conversation. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't ever do that politely. It's funny though, you just remind me that last week I was talking to this guy who I saw had purchased, I saw it on Instagram, a custom made uh, sculpture, okay? And it was pretty spectacular. It's there at his place in Malibu. And uh, so uh, I spoke with him, uh, hadn't seen him in a while. I said, hey, let me be the a-hole here and uh, ask you fast. when it says custom made, I mean that, had to cost what? Um, he said, "Well, it wasn't too much." I said, "No, yeah, yeah I'm sure." But how right, much? Does that mean? Does that mean six thousand dollars wasn't too much, or right. sixty thousand dollars wasn't too much? Yeah. Right? You know. Yeah, and he's a he's a very wealthy man, so you know his not too much and my not too much are definitely not the same. Not too much. So yeah, um, right. Yeah. So he told me, and yeah, that was. But he was cool with it. I mean, he was okay with me asking. He kind of laughed, and then he told me. Yeah, I, I've asked, and, and and it works. I mean, it just you know you want to know. And I, I remember I worked with someone. I was working at a, a, a television show that uh, I worked at very briefly. Didn't quite understand what it was. Uh, it's uh, the name of the show is just three letters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that when, they in, really yeah, deal in the when you sort left. Of, when you left, it doomed them to failure, huh? Yeah, that's right. And now, let's see. I left in two thousand and seven, and and they're doing just fine. Yeah, yeah I know they, that because they passed I, doing just fine uh, quite some time ago. They're into a yeah, another level of doing just fine. Yeah, they have, some of those people have uh, made tens of millions of dollars off that show. But they would be doing even finer if you had stayed on. But anyway, continue, um, Ben. I know they're still around. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, it's a very good uh, idea they have. I mean, the, the, not so much the things they talk about, but the manner in which they present the ideas. They manage to. We're talking about TMZ, and they create uh, in a world of of unbelievable sameness in the information space, right? Of all those shows look the same. They they created something that looks different, sounds different, feels different, and that I think is a. Uh, a uh, credit uh, to them. Uh, it was not for well, me. it was, and it's and it's the it's that tabloidy or celebrity-driven information space. So, and they're able to get into they're nimble enough somehow to get into pure celebrity and you know tracking somebody down at the airport at you know gate right. B seventeen where they're or <laughs> you know the autopsy on whatever right and they're able to or the yeah Alec Baldwin right thing, and, let's say they and, would own and, the Alec Baldwin and that. And that's a that that 
that world of celebrity news is, I mean, it's nauseating. It's painful and the happy well, talk that's a, around wasn't it. Wasn't that one reason you It's so couldn't. phony and say what do you yeah. want about TMZ, whether it makes the world a better place or not, and it doesn't. But, but it doesn't seem phony, hmm. right? And I don't know whether it is phony. I'm just saying it doesn't seem phony. They create, there's a degree of like, renegade authenticity that they managed to create, which they deserve a gazillion tons of credit for. Um, I know there's some business, it's funny that you mentioned gate B17 because I landed at the, well, I landed at terminal two, but I, I left from the B terminal in Atlanta uh, this weekend to fly back to LA and landed at the uh, uh, terminal two at the Los Angeles International Airport. And I had, uh, there's a car that came to uh, uh, take me home, right? Which I didn't pay for it, by the way, so I don't know what it costs. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, and uh, as I was getting into the car, I, I realized the driver. Uh, here's I have a first world problem to bring up after this too. A great first world problem. Um, the driver uh, is engaged in a conversation with somebody in the parking deck at LAX, where he has put his his uh, Lincoln Town Car, whatever it is, right? And uh, and it is a TMZ photographer. Who wants to talk to me and it wasn't waiting for me. I, 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 one of the few TMZ photographers I suspect who recognize me, or he's just anyone who gets into a car. But that can't be because most of the people who get into a car actually are just business people, right? Um, at LAX. So he says, Hey, I want I wondered if I could get you a quick comment from TMZ. And I'm like, uh, I, I don't know about what? And he goes, uh, Biden's Supreme Court pick. This was Saturday. I thought that meant he had named someone, and I was like, uh, "I'm gonna have to pass." <laughs> I don't know what I could possibly yeah. add to this? He's gonna ask a question about Biden saying that he think it's good that he said ahead of time that it's gonna be a black woman. There's no, I can't. You can't. I mean, I work there. I can't trust them to cut it up right, and <laughs> it won't get on the air because who could possibly care, right? It only <laughs> only way it gets on is if I say something. Outrageous, scandalously outrageous, right? So, I think I made the uh, I made the record. That's the first time that had ever happened. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I mean, sometimes they're there. You know, it sounds to me like that might be the case here. They're staking out a bunch of people, and you know, you are you're like the bycatch that those fishermen pull up. You know, when they put when they're that's right. I was uh, hanging, I'm hanging strip on. mining the ocean. You're the right, dolphin I'm hanging that on to gets the caught in there, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, so uh, uh, yeah, he didn't, and his uh, he didn't try very hard. He was like, "Okay, great, no problem." <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. he seemed he seemed like he was going to recover. Okay, so here's my first world problem. There's no way this doesn't make me seem like an ass, but I just uh, so I don't really like getting picked up by a car. I don't like having a car. I don't like having a car wait for me. Because it makes me speed up and anxious, whether I'm leaving my house or a hotel. I would much rather Uber or Lyft. Um, but at the airport, because it's so hard with getting a, any vehicle out of the airport, I take it, right? I don't take it to the airport. I don't take a car hardly anywhere. I walk whenever I possibly can and when I'm in, when I'm traveling. But sometimes they insist on sending a car because they're terrified you're going to be late. And I'm me, so they, it's a justified fear. Um, but so I take the car, but I hate the guy opening the door for me. I mean, I hate it, hate it. And so I'm always trying to preempt it. Like I'll let him put the bag in the trunk, 
right? And I'm, then I'm always like, I, I get the door, I got the door. And some of them just don't listen. No, that's all right, I'll get the door for you. And they open the door and I hate it, I hate it. I have a visceral reaction to it, I don't handle it uh, well uh, at all. Obviously, I'm privileged to have this problem. Nonetheless, it is a problem. You say that might make you look like an a-hole. Wouldn't it be worse if you said, I love it when somebody opens the door for me. I insist that somebody opens no, the door. Of course, but there's probably something in between, which is like, yeah, open the door when you can. And if the guy opens the door for you, let him open the door. It's his job. He likes opening the door, right? They I mean, I would like opening the door if I had that job because I would hate to feel like I was just standing around. And there's so much standing around waiting that when you actually have something to do, it must be kind of good, right? Yeah, put your bag in the car. I mean, I already like wouldn't let him wheel my bag. And I always think he thinks I think he's dirty and has COVID, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just that again, <laughs> I feel like, no man, it's on wheels, I can do it. It's okay, you don't need to do that for me. Anyway, I, I but I, the door is like, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a door too far for me. Well, to, uh, if you need uh, it out, and you probably don't, you're probably a, a mature enough to figure this out on your own. Uh, but no one's given it as much thought as you have, no one cares, the guy's fine. That's <laughs> definitely true. That nobody cares and no one gives it that much. Well, but I think you you make the point yourself, which Except is I bet just I bet Jank does. I bet Jank is like, yeah, yeah, it's weird when he opened the door. I bet, just but go ahead, Mark. Sorry. No, I mean I, I think we what you're describing, we've all been there. Like, no, I'll, I'll get the door. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know that I'm as you know irked by it or or um, obsessed by it or worried about it as you are. But I I understand it. I've had those moments of awkward where I'm going for the door because like, I don't want the guy to open the door. I got it. I got it. I'm, I, thank you, but I've got the door. I think I may have even said that a few times. But then I also recognize what you just said, which is that, hey, man, if I were the guy, yeah. I'd want to go, oh, it's part of the service. This is what I do. Let me, let me open the door for you. You know what I mean? I've got, you know, it's a. Uh, uh, it's like setting so, up, yeah. it's like having a, a, a production assistant, uh, you know, go to get you coffee, right? When you're in a production. And I always feel right. like I should get my own coffee. I don't want somebody going to get me coffee that feels. But A, I would love a task when I was a PA, always give me a task. I'll go get anybody coffee, I'll go get anything. It's something to do, you're out, you're alone. You can try to complete it quickly, right? Uh, and I can't go because it delays the production. I can't go to the Starbucks place. I can make a coffee in my, you know, down there. But if I want like Starbucks, I can't say like, hey, I'm gonna run Starbucks. Right. Like so, but it still bothers me. Even though then I remember, have to go through uh, this entire story where I like, hey, wait a minute, when I did this job, of course <laughs> I would have gotten the coffee, and I would have loved that assignment, like uh, Eddie Murphy and uh, Bowfinger. Well, I love getting. Remember coffee. Bob Guccione? Bob Guccione sure. was the. Wasn't that his name? He was the yeah, editor Penthouse. and owner of Penthouse. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was desperate to get into uh, television and broadcasting and radio. And when I was a teenager in high school, I interned like, but it was even a sporadic, I barely remember the internship, but I really remember this one incident uh, at uh, the ABC station in Washington DC, which is where uh, Ben and myself grew up. We didn't that was, where, up at the that was ABC my, station. my first television job <laughs> at WJLA in Washington. Oh, is that right? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. So, sports for a uh, so I went in and they did a daytime talk show. And on the daytime talk, and I was there in interning, but literally just there feeling completely, as we sort of hinted, uh, like I was useless. You know, I didn't really have any skills, and I'm just sort of there and, you know, uh, and Bob Guccione, 
who was a larger than life character at that time. Penthouse Magazine was a, you know, kind of the- the. Uh, no, he was a giant, a giant of publishing. Thank you, yeah. And he had that voice, he talked like that, and kind of, kind of like that as I recall. <laughs> and he, he said, can I get a cup of coffee? He asked before the, you know, the taping started. I think it might have even been live, but no matter. Um, and they turned to me. Now I'm 16, something like that, maybe. Say, I, to be honest, I had never had a coffee. <laughs> I didn't know how to make a coffee. I didn't, well, and they oh, asked the me to do so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I'll exactly. Now My I goodness. don't know how to stop drinking coffee. It's so <laughs> amped up. Ben is right. Um, I have every conceivable kind of coffee now, but back then they said, uh, "Mark, will you get Mr. Guccione a coffee?" And he and said, "And uh, and then they asked, how will you, would you like it?" He said, uh, "Cream and sugar," which is the worst, in a way, even now, generic call out for coffee because it's how much cream and how, how much, much sugar. Yeah, right. right. I mean, so even then I know, oh my God, I mean, I know what coffee is. I know there's a cup there and I know I pour it in and then I put cream in and then I put sugar in. I mean, not, you know, but I didn't know exactly, maybe that's, maybe there's some standard that that refers to. And it feels like such a big decision. Like oh. what if I get it wrong? Yeah, absolutely my God. right. It, yeah. Absolutely well, right. Uh, ben is right. I felt like super pressure the way like I was doing a moon landing. Okay. And I go over to the coffee, I get it in a styrofoam cup, I pour it in, then I add the creamer and I add sugar. And I remember I added a lot of sugar. Okay. More sugar than seemed right. But I thought I, the guy. He said, "Creamy, I just don't know." So I, I really erred on the side of sugar. <laughs> so I walk back to this dark set, but only lights are on this on where everybody's sitting, and I give it to uh, Guccione. And he, and now I'm, I'm in the darkness again, and I'm doing, I'm just focused on Guccione and his reaction, like when he takes a sip of the coffee. <laughs> so he takes the sip of the coffee. This is such a great story. And he puts it down on the table. And then he says something, and this is the reason that I remember the story. He says, that is a great cup of coffee. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I spiked it on my first outing. It's a great cup of greatest. sugar. That's what it was. I thought yeah. that there's just no. It was so much sugar. I thought there's no way that. Right, and he would never put like that this. much sugar in his own coffee. But right. when you're given and a yet, cup of coffee with a tremendous amount of sugar, it's great. It tastes like a milkshake, right? That is a great cup of coffee. It's a great. Wow. Coffee. Yeah, <laughs> that's a welcome to showbiz. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I'm almost certain that. Jenk, Ben, and I had this very same conversation about getting cups of coffee on TYT old school or TYT before there even was an old school many, many yeah, years ago. Because Jenk was paralyzed by yeah. other people's yeah. coffee because he didn't drink coffee himself. He'd be like, how do I get coffee? How do I, what do I do when I have it? I mean, you don't just want it just the coffee. He didn't even know the term black. And, and I would have like, agreed with him because I don't do, I still don't yeah, do coffee. Right. And we're not talking about Bob Guccione. If a friend asked you, can you, hey, can you go to <laughs> 7-Eleven and get me a coffee? I'd be paralyzed to this day. Isn't it annoying though, Mark, 
then if so, you do get somebody to bring you a cup of coffee and they come back and they, and if you say cream and sugar, and then they come back with cream and sugar for you to like rip the packets or pour. I know you drink it black now, but in the, like that, I, and there's no reason for you to get upset. I know why they're doing it. They're doing it because they didn't want to get it wrong, right? Sure, exactly. Right. But in general, most production assistants, most people in your shoes, err on the other side, which is not enough sugar. Like they'll come back and I'll be like a cream and sugar and they'll come back with one cream, one sugar. And I always think you are never gonna make it in this business. Like that is, <laughs> that is, yeah. This is not a one cream and one sugar business. Yeah, that's right. And what do you do? You bring three at a minimum, three of each. Oh. And then I'll use I them was working not. on the, yeah. I was working on the show uh, Chips as a production assistant also, you know, the motorcycle cops. It's fun. And um, sure. Eric uh, it's not really and, important. Uh, What's the other guy? Larry Wilcox Larry was the Wilcox. guy. Um, in fact, Larry Wilcox said something really funny because Eric was notorious for, um, uh, you know, having visitor uh, carnal visits uh, mm -hmm. during the day. You know, you know, he's a guy. He was Big very yeah, hot sure. with the women. And uh, Larry said, uh, one day came on under the set. I just happened to be there, and he said, "Hey, could you guys do something?" My uh, TV reception is horrible because Eric's mobile home is rocking back and forth so much. <laughs> Which I always, again, that just stuck with me. I thought it was such a funny line. Um, he was otherwise just such a soft-spoken guy. And Eric was, of course, the big star. All the, the, the women loved him and all that kind of thing. But I, this goes to being a production assistant. So they had a scene which took place out on a boat just off of Sure, uh, show about yeah, California highway, yeah, patrol, Long Beach or highway patrol cops on the motorcycles. Obviously, they're on a boat. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. They, were, they did a lot of that. You know, like why is the highway patrol involved in this? But anyway, <laughs> uh, but I remember that there was a that they wanted. They radioed in. Can we get some cheese and crackers or something out here? It's been several hours and people are just a little bit hungry. So I go to the truck. There's like a commissary truck there. And I said, "Hey, um, I need some cheese and crackers out there because you know they're hungry." And he looks around and he says, "I don't have any uh, cheese. I've got some crackers." And literally, he took a box of Ritz crackers and he got a platter and he took this aluminum foil and he laid it out on the platter like it was a you know, like a Christmas present that he was building. And he took. The Ritz crackers, and he started laying them out very deliberately, like in some kind of, you know, these Pattern. very careful, yeah, like there was something sound. else to them other than just being a Ritz cracker, right? Like thank they, you, I, thank yeah. you. And so, how, so he finished two rows of this, and I said, "Hey, don't worry about it. Let me just grab the box. I, <laughs> I'm going to be on the boat anyway. I mean, got to take a little boat out to the big boat." And it's just gonna bounce around like that anyway. And it's these lines that you're laying out are not gonna be lasting. So I, I, I thought it was, and so I'm about, so he said, okay, gosh, I thought, I think they want it kind of, I said, no, 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 no. Just give me the, if that's all you've got is the crackers, just give me the crackers in the box and I'll take it out. <laughs> so I get on, I'm about to get onto the boat and my boss, who's like the second AD, he says, what are you doing? Uh, with those crackers, I said, "Well, they, you know, they needed cheese and crackers. They didn't have cheese, so these are just the crackers." And he said, "Well, don't bring them out in a box like that." He said, "Lay them out on a platter." 
<laughs> swear, swear. I thought, wow, I don't get this business. This is a two sugar, two cream, <laughs> lay the crackers out on a platter business. And I didn't get that. You started <laughs> off so well with the coffee and then you went backwards. With yeah, I went, I went out and turned two with the, uh, with the platter. But honest yeah. to God, he said, don't just bring it out there like that. Go put it on a platter or something, make it presentable. I thought, wow. Um, okay. Oh, those are good stories, Mark. I mean, there's good stories that have the reason they're good stories is they don't really there's no punchline. They just they're just great stories. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, well, the first one delivered with uh, that is a great cup of coffee. Uh -huh. <laughs> that was a great moment. I felt so good. Um, so uh, this is a, I, I have a I've told the story on old school before, but I think it's been a while. And John Madden died uh, last month, right? Um, yeah. Or this month, maybe this month. Yeah. Well, it's February. By the time you see this. We're shooting this uh, here on the uh, tape and on the uh, last day of February, January. So I, um, so when I was, uh, I went to grad school. I was in grad school, and I learned that the uh, it came to my attention that I was picked to be a to to uh, have an interview to be a broadcast associate for CBS Sports, and this would have been 1992, I think. Um, like the first part of 1992. And broadcast associate for CBS Sports, that's production assistant. They just call it broadcast associate. It's the same job. You run around, you get stuff, you help out with the actual production. You might be sitting in with next to the director on a given day because they need something done, or you checking the chirons to make sure they're right, or you're running to get coffee, right? Any of those and crackers. So I uh uh, and uh, I was in a group of eight people, if memory serves me correct, of which three or four were going to get hired. Maybe it was 10 and four got hired, but like the odds were with it and there was not one job. And I'm me and I know more about sports and more about television than most people in their early 20s, right? Sports is not even close. It's a blowout at that point, right? And the, I have never been as certain that I was getting something as this job ever. Never been. I know almost like this was like, what was the point of even going through this interview process? But I'll humor you guys and go through it. And then I find, and then obviously, <laughs> you'd be so thankful to have me, and my sports journalism career will be off and so. And I'd already worked in television. If I was at Columbia, if I'm remembering this correctly, no, it was definitely it came out of Columbia. So I'd already worked for a couple of years. As a sports producer at the ABC affiliate in Washington, so the station Mark was talking about, WJLA, my first paid job in television. I had some uh, intern jobs elsewhere, but that was my first job that I got money. And uh, as a sports producer, so I go to this first interview, and the first thing the guy asked me is, um, "What's the last book you read?" Like that's like a cliche, but he actually asked it, right? So I, you know, I did what anybody would do. I made something up because I don't know what the hell last book I read was, and it had been a while, and it was almost certainly a murder mystery, right? You know, so I, I pulled off. Well, I just reread Catcher in the Rye or some, right? <laughs> you know, I don't know what I said, but it sucked. Whatever my you never read was, it right? enough, right? Huh? Yeah, I'm sure you'll agree you can never read it enough. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, so I. Uh, and then we have an okay interview, but I'm flustered by that first question because I couldn't believe it actually got asked. And then I, uh, we get to the point, he goes, okay, I wanna give you a hypothetical. And remember, this to be a broadcast associate at CBS Sports. At that point, CBS 
is the uh, flagship network of the uh, for the NFL. Really, it, it, they have the NFC package of games. NBC had the uh, uh, AFC package, but CBS was worlds better. The games sounded alive and electric, and the NBC games sounded muted and dull. Yeah, I remember that. It was a shocking difference between the two. And the lead guys for CBS, this was Pat Summerall and John Madden, <coughs> were the heavyweight broadcasting team anchored by the star who was Madden. And so they say to me, I wanna give you a hypothetical. It's a big Sunday afternoon game, it's the Cowboys and they make up the team. So it's the Cowboys and the Giants, four o'clock game, Cowboys and the 49ers, four o'clock game. And, uh, and on the, uh, the, the Chiron says at that point, Troy Aikman has uh, 20 touchdowns and four interceptions on the season. But the Chiron has it wrong. And it says four touchdowns and 20 interceptions. And you spot that it's wrong. And it's about to go on the air as soon as they do this segment, because so they start talking about Aikman. What's more important, that or making sure that on Saturday night before the game, when he arrives at the hotel, that John Madden, who enjoy, who wants to have a a, a roasted chicken with a white meat chicken uh, dinner uh, every Saturday night before the game, and making sure that order is right, making sure it's not dark meat, that it's white meat instead of dark meat. And that's his question to me. And then I just I'm like, well, I presume that we could always get the chicken done right, you know. We fix it because he made sure he was like, and I don't want you to think that I'm that John Madden is going to go off crazy if the chicken's wrong. He'll he might call and say, hey, could somebody get me a white meat chicken? I don't like dark meat, but he's not going to yell at anyone or cause a scene. He's very professional and a nice guy. Everybody likes him. But that's the question. What should you do? Um, and I say, well, you know, I think the 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 reputation of the chant of the network is sort of at stake on the first thing. I mean, if you sort of show the world four touchdowns and 20 interceptions, you look silly and then everyone looks silly. So I would think that's more important. I'm not saying the other thing isn't important, but I'm saying that's more important. And I gave, took a long time to answer that question. And he goes, well, I like your reasoning. It's all very sound. That makes a lot of sense. It's the wrong answer. <laughs> Just like that, it's the wrong answer. He goes, you make sure that the, as your broadcast associate, your production assistant, you're, you make sure that that guy is taking care of John Madden and in a good mood, and gets the meal he wants and gets enough sleep and is in the right hotel room and that everything is perfect because the thing is, everything can go wrong the next day. But if he's at his best, he saves everything. He's the star, take care of the star. And I was like, it's a very, and and I tell that story, I tell that story fairly often. And it, there's a, a complete, there, there, there are very, their reactions to it are divergent. Because some people think, well, that's absurd. He can get he can get a cheeseburger. He can get something else. That's crazy talk. Um, but I have come to the point to entirely understand that, yeah, I was wrong, and they're definitely right that you that that's the important job is to make sure the guy's coffee is right, to make sure the thing's right of the not having nothing to do with me. I'm not suggesting that. I, I've never I don't have those issues. But like that that is a big deal for a star like John Madden. Uh, and it can save everybody. It was a good story, I thought, a good lesson. No, it's, it, and it's, uh, it's interesting because it's weird what the guy did. He built a hypothetical uh, 
but he made his point. You know what I mean? That's he right. Built a hypothetical yeah. that's, uh, he built a tortured hypothetical. He built a tortured yeah. hypothetical. He wanted to, to torture me. Um, but I mean, he wanted to see us work through it. And I mean, I, I and then of course I didn't get the job. I mean, still, I still can't believe I didn't get that job. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious. Well, uh, do you have you ever have you ever crossed paths with a guy again or keep track? Who, I don't remember who yeah. did it. My like uh, Terry O'Neill was the former executive producer of CBS Sports, and he was he'd gone to Columbia Journalism School, and he was supposed to be my advisor. And I met with him once, and I I presume he had some hand in setting up that interview, but I, I don't know. No, I never I never talked. Things worked out. But uh, when CBS, uh, you know, lost the NFC and they went to Fox, when yeah. football went, you know, football, basically Fox outbid CBS for football. It was a lost leader for Fox, right? But anyway, yeah, they wanted to, they wanted to make a statement. They wanted to show they were could hang with the the big three, and that it worked. they were smart. That would that yeah. was a smart acquisition, as and they everybody said that's a ridiculous amount to pay to pay for football, but they paid it. They took everybody from CBS virtually, yep. and they just moved them over to Fox. Same deal. So everybody's working together. They everybody knew each other. And it sounded, but it's, I, and Fox sounded like CBS used to. Exactly, exactly. And so um, I was doing the Knievel jumps then, you know, and the Robbie Knievel was doing these different things. And who do they have directing? Sandy Grossman, who I always heard about. He was the yeah, big. Right. CBS football director, then turned Fox football director. I thought, holy, this guy is, he was great. And he was just like, totally, you know, cool dude. Like, this is what we're doing. Yeah, this is the show and blah, blah, blah. We'll do this and you'll do that and I'll do. There was no, I, I wanted to sit down and go, so tell me, tell me some stories. Let me give you a hypothetical, Sam. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there's a Chiron, you see it right before. <laughs> anyway, um, but that was like my brush with uh, the world of, uh, you know, that yeah, world was, of CBS that you talk about. I was remembering because you're right because CBS Fox took it took the NFC from CBS and the the AFC stayed with NBC for a bit and it still sounded bad. And then eventually CBS came back into football, but they couldn't wrestle the NFC from Fox, so they took the AFC from, which is still basically true, although it's a little more intermingled now than it used to be. Um, uh, but they took the back when they got back into it. They took the AFC from uh, from NBC and CBS. Then had the AFC, and it sounded <coughs> like the like the old AFC used to on NBC. Because I presume it was still took that, that family of people <laughs> who couldn't figure out how to get the crowd noise right. You know. Uh-uh. So mm-hmm. I always wondered about that back in the eighties. I never pursued it. And now you're confirming that I was right 35, 40 years ago. But is this documented? So like if I, I don't search know, it I, would on the to, I would love to find out. I mean, you we all think so, right, Mark? We all felt this thing, but maybe it's because Mark and I are from DC and we were Washington football fans. And so we those were the games we cared about. And Dave, you're in New York and you're probably paying more attention to the Giants than the Jets. I don't know. I don't think so. I think there was a difference. I, my wife noticed it in watching the games this weekend. She was like, "The second game, the Fox game, the Niners Rams." She goes, "Just feels more electric than the Chiefs yeah. game did." Even though the Chiefs had a, the in Kansas City had a, of course, a, as, as committed a fan base as there is in professional sports, but somehow the broadcast feels sharper. Does feels? Did jacked. you see? Uh, did you see what happened at halftime on the AFC games? It happened on both games. Oh right? yeah, the, the the audio mixed in or just too loud Crazy. or mixed yeah. in. 
They put them on the field, which, by the way, I never understood. I really I don't see why it's important. I guess it gives you the flavor of the event or whatever. But I don't see why you take these guys who are all in coat and tie and they're all, you know, whatever, and they uh, they seat them there on a desk right there on the sidelines, and they didn't account for the fact that there was going to be this over-the-top halftime show going on, <laughs> both on the NFC game and the AFC game. Uh, the NFC so, game. I walked. I watched the walk the dogs during the halftime of the NFC, so I didn't see it. Yeah. So, but I mention it because you've just seen maybe if somebody's monitoring the AFC game, you've seen uh, that they were completely drowned out. By Completely. the band and by the announcer, I mean, almost to the point you literally couldn't understand a word they were saying. No, it was a, it was a, it was like a, you did not expect it from a the big time network at a showcase. Thank you. Event. Yeah, it was. It and was so you think yeah. somebody having seen that at at Fox would have gone, hey guys, they ha are having a hell of a time at halftime with their with the band just uh, you know playing so loudly and their halftime entertainment. Just steamrolling those guys on the set. Have we accounted for that here? Is our audio balance or a way that we can, you know, guard against the same thing? But nope, they didn't. They just went. It's so weird because like skating right into the same problem. Because the the halftime show is, uh, I mean, there's no alternative. So why don't you just have them at the studio, right? I mean, why do they have to be there? Uh, and 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 it would make more sense to have them. I guess there's no there is no studio facility. I'm sure there is actually at that, at that stadium, at least the one in, in Los Angeles, the new one, uh, whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they can move them inside if they wanted to. I but mean, why even have them there? I mean, it's just, it's uh, it feels very, uh, I don't know, it feels like very TV in the 90s. Like we have, I, I have couldn't our agree guys more. there. It, it, yeah, yeah it, it really felt like they haven't evolved. It's funny, they do it on championship weekend because it's just the one game. So they can put them at the one game. The prior weekend, they have them on the Fox lot. You know, and they had, yeah. I think, snow trucked in or something like that. And so, prior weekend, CBS has them in the studio. But yeah, it made no sense to me. From a, it felt. I'm so glad you put it in the right context. It felt like something that was, you know, it was your grandpa's, you know, decision as opposed to a decision from, you know, today's television. Yeah, like like when I was working in Charleston, and and you know, when you were working in San Francisco, that you know, every every <coughs> every shot. Has to be a live shot. Everything right. has to be live, no matter what, no matter when the event happened, no matter where it is, no matter what it is, you are live there. And you'd be like, who, who's this impressing? Particularly at 11 o'clock at night, yeah. who's dazzled yeah. by my ability to be at the scene of the 11:30 this morning accident, or 11:32 yeah. days ago accident. Right, right, I mean, right, that, right. And, and that still happens to some extent. What's happening with football next year? Is I it, think they're playing. It, 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 yeah. I know Tom Brady is Brady's it, retiring, it, but I still think they're still playing. Yeah. But is it now carried on Yahoo and NFL Network? And what's happening with the? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's still going to be the main package of games on the network. But yeah, there's an expansion of 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 that. At least that there'll be more national. There's another. You know, streaming is coming for football. We already had Amazon stream some games. Yeah. This year. To tie this back to what we were speaking about earlier, I heard that. In some areas, parking in the it's SoFi in LA could cost up to fifteen hundred dollars for the game. I heard that. I saw two hundred and fifty dollars, but I didn't hear fifteen hundred. Wow. We, we got to go ask people how much they paid for parking. And that's insane. Yeah. That's that's just 
And it's also, I mean, it's such an LA thing. I mean, it's a new stadium and the team is, you know, the Rams had been here, but obviously for a generation of fans, they don't know, right? I mean, that's just that's just something their dad talked about, right? Um, but it's crazy that here, of course, in LA, at some point you can't help but sell your tickets. I mean, I presume that a lot of season ticket holders would like to have gone to the game, but they're like, I got Niner fans, they're gonna pay me $6,000 for two tickets, yeah. you know? Or $1,000 for two tickets, like, I'm not passing up that money. So that hence we were left in a situation which I guess has happened to them twice now or and throughout the season happens to the Chargers consistently that that there were as many or more fans of the other team mm -hmm. uh, than the Rams. The Chargers who play at the same stadium and have no business here in Los Angeles. Um, uh, uh, they consistently have more fans for whoever the other team is, particularly if it's a team that uh, that travels well like the you know like the Steelers or the Packers yeah it's true it was it was a spectacle and it, and it uh, are those the rich Hollywood liberals guys is that who forged the, uh, the, the <laughs> yeah, 3000 the, the limousine liberals uh, $2,500 to I mean there can't be you can't pay $2,500 to park I mean just hire a limo it's going to cost less you don't have to park you don't have yeah. to drive right <laughs> yeah, and, and the guy will get your door yeah, I, I heard I it was on radio. Say, yeah. I heard it on sports <laughs> talk radio, so I don't know. It must be true. It must be I true. I guess somebody <laughs> somewhere was charging twenty five hundred bucks to uh, uh, to park. I, I I think I'll never go to that stadium. I think I I will live a life here in this uh, uh, city, which I I really like, and uh, I will never ever go there. I'm sure it looks maybe. pretty spectacular. I've never been, but it looks like it's definitely you know. It's the granddaddy of uh, stadiums right now. Right, but you can't imagine a scenario where it where you just sort of go the old way that normal people go. <laughs> right. Hey, let's get tickets and go to the Chargers Browns, and we'll just go. We'll just buy some tickets and we'll go. We'll drive and we'll park and we'll go. Like, no, I suppose if I'm fortunate enough to have somebody invite me to their box, maybe I'll go. But I kind of doubt it. And I also try to. I don't know who that person would. Who that figure would be? Well, I'm gonna go put some meat quarters in the parking meter here uh, while we take a little break, and, and then we're gonna come back for the members only. All right. So stick around, everybody. Mm -hmm.